0: Oil prices are starting the trading week higher on talk of new supply cuts, which is helping the commodity currencies such as the Aussie and the Kiwi dollars. And in New Zealand, ANZ has revised its forecast for a rate hike in late February to no hike at all. That's in our five things in five minutes. And then in our bonus deep dive interview, ANZ senior economist Adelaide Timbrell explains why Australia's major projects pipeline is set to double to over $100 billion in the next couple of years. And she talks about the pressures that will create.
1: There are only so many, say, engineers uh, in Australia in the world. We've got this huge global push for renewable energy infrastructure and just energy capacity, and that's going to be part of that global constraint story.
0: But first, in Five and Five with ANZ... Oil prices rose almost 4% over the weekend, rebounding from four-month lows on Fresh Talk, Saudi Arabia and OPEC Plus might cut back even more on production to support prices. Remember, Brent crude has fallen from $98 a barrel in September to just under $80 earlier on Friday. OPEC Plus ministers are due to meet at the end of this week. Brent closed up 4% at $81 and 7 cents a barrel U.S. over the weekend. West Texas Intermediate also up 4% to $76.08. That helped the currencies that often rise and fall with commodity prices. The Aussie is starting the trading week at 65.14 U.S. cents, while the Kiwi is at 59.87 cents, and that's as of 5 o'clock Sydney, Melbourne time. The U.S. 10-year Treasury yield was flat at 4.44%. And the S&P 500 and NASDAQ also closed unchanged on Saturday morning. However, that was before the bombshell news that OpenAI had sacked its high-profile CEO, Sam Altman, and as reports this morning, its partner wants him back. Number two, ANZ New Zealand's Chief Economist, Sharon Zollner, has changed her call on what happens next with the Reserve Bank of New Zealand's official cash rate. She now sees the RBNZ holding the OCR, at 5.5% later this month, and again in its late February decision. Previously, she had seen a hike in late February. Softer labour market figures were the main reason for the call change, followed by some new inflation data.
2: We also had some monthly inflation data that showed that essentially the the non-tradable inflation, the read that the Reserve Bank is going to get before February, was unlikely to provide uh, the big upside surprise that we had thought what was coming. So, the smoking gun for February was gone, which prompted uh, a wider discussion about whether we should push out our hike forecast or actually just pull it. Uh, And on thinking about it, we decided while we still absolutely see a risk that the Reserve Bank may need to raise rates next year, uh, we don't see that chance as over 50% anymore. So, we've taken the hike out, but it is at the top
0: of our risk basket. Number three. However, Sharon has pushed out ANZ's expectation of the first cut in the OCR by one quarter to the first quarter of 2025. One major factor in the outlook is a record high net migration rate, which is added to both demand and supply in the economy.
2: Net migration is running at almost 120,000 people in the last 12 months, and that's despite tens of thousands of New Zealanders going overseas including to Australia. So there's a lot of churn going on. So for the labour market, it will depend on uh, how skilled these people are and how well their skills match up with what firms need. And firms indeed are still saying that finding skilled labour is their number one problem, even though migration has lifted so strongly. Uh, but certainly at the at the less skilled end of the labour market, we would anticipate that that would take some heat out of wages. We're seeing, for example, job ads fall at the same time that the number of applicants per job is surging. So that does transfer power from one side of the negotiating table to the other.
0: Number four. This week ahead is relatively light for economic data and central bank decisions, but there are a couple of bunches of minutes from recent decisions coming out, starting with the RBA on Tuesday. Here's ANZ Senior International Economist, Tom Kenney.
3: We'll be looking for more detail about a, a slightly dovish uh, tweak that they made in their um, statement in November compared to their previous one, where they look like they've raised the prospect that the the central bank may be finished with tightening. It was a, just a subtle change in wording, but it, it does suggest that they may be close to uh, an end in their tightening cycle.
0: Number five. And then there's the Fed's minutes on Thursday night. Tom will be looking at how the Fed sees the capacity for higher economic growth in the US economy.
3: The calmness with which the Fed um, has been assessing uh, the strength in the data and uh, particularly the Q3 GDP, which was quite strong and why the the Fed was sort of adamant that actually the economy is slowing and that they weren't too alarmed about the pace of growth there. Chairman Powell did uh, note that the supply side of the economy was allowing the economy to grow a little bit faster than usual without putting pressure on inflation.
0: ANZ's Tom Kenny there. Now for our bonus deep dive interview, we hear from ANZ Australia senior economist Adelaide Timbrell about ANZ's major projects report for 2023, which shows how $60 billion worth of projects underway in the last year are set to almost double by 2025-26. Adelaide says most of the work right now is in road and rail, but it's electricity infrastructure where the real growth is going to happen. I asked her, how dependent the pipeline was on political and regulatory decisions.
1: Anything in the public sector is, of course, dependent on, you know, government decisions and budgetary uh, considerations. Um, This is something that we're already seeing played out in, you know, de-scoping, deferring and cancellation of certain major projects, particularly in uh, the government side. And that's because of, you know, the pandemic debt hangover, which is going to be a drag on investment growth because state and federal governments have more debt than before, higher funding costs really play into that, and then inflation of construction itself. So, we know that there's been a huge amount of major projects that have increased quite significantly in price, and some of those price increases have made those projects no longer feasible. So, you know, as as an example, the New South Wales government recently cancelled the Beaches Link Road project, which was estimated to cost at least six billion dollars and even though we don't put recreation categories into our major project pipeline another really you know well-known example is the cancellation of the Commonwealth Games in Victoria which was also primarily due to the cost
0: and uh, looking at the population growth uh, in the last year or so which has been very strong how could that affect the outlook for for spending? and also the the potential for crowding out?
1: So, population growth puts more pressure uh, on governments to deliver key infrastructure products because, you know, there's more people who need that infrastructure. Um, but we're also seeing governments facing a bit of an inflation challenge, not only are those products now more expensive to build, um, but they can crowd out investment and make construction elsewhere more expensive. There's not a one-to-one overlap between the labour and materials needed between, say, a big public sector infrastructure project and a residential project, but there's enough overlap uh, across, you know, between commercial, residential and public sector infrastructure that if you're actually taking a lot of say, labour resources, you're going to drive up the wages in those other areas that can also be inflationary. So, that population growth means there's more reason to increase that infrastructure, but there's also more reason to maybe save some of those resources to places like the residential side where we do already have a housing supply issue um, which is being arguably exacerbated by the strong public sector pipeline. On the other hand there are some positives to immigration for the public sector pipeline. It also means more tax revenue if you have more workers in the economy.
0: Where is the bulk of this uh, investment going in terms of which states and uh, any particular cities and projects?
1: So New South Wales and Victoria do have a uh, bigger pipelines than other states when it comes to major projects. Part of this is because that's where a lot of the Australian population is uh, and also because the New South Wales and Victoria government have recently been doing huge pushes in the transport infrastructure space.
0: ANZ's Adelaide Timball there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was Five and Five with ANZ for Monday, November the 20th. Congratulations to the Australian cricket team for winning the World Cup. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.